and gentlemen, this stage is set. The mics are on. It's not another fight cast time. With your hosts, fighting out of the blue corner. This man is a former fighter. The voice of Brave Combat Federation and Clan Wars MMA. The great and powerful Phil Campbell. Fighting out of the red corner. This man is a former fighter. And now one of the best coaches in mixed martial arts. The one and only Andy the Icon Burrow. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome along to Not Another Fightcast with myself, Phil Campbell. Unfortunately, Andy Burrows isn't here because fuck him, I'm in Brazil right now and I'm with the roaring lion of Brave. If any of you have ever watched Brave Combat Federation, this voice will be instantly recognizable to you. This man is Carlos Kramer, the undeniable, inimitable, roaring line of Brave Combat Federation. My colleague, Carlos Kramer, how are you, brother? I'm doing great, brother. It's an honor to be here, fired up, to finally <laughs> be on your podcast, the world-famous podcast, and throwing it down with you on the air. That's this is awesome. Far too kind of you. Um, I guess first, we're, we're both in Brazil. What? Why are we both in Brazil right now, man? We've got Brave 25, uh, you know, living the dream. Huge, huge event. Luan Miao Santiago going against uh, Clayton Predator Silva in yeah, our main event. That's going to be a crazy fight. You know what? Head to toe from top to bottom, this card may be our most explosive Brave card of the year. Yeah, I think when you have when you have any Brazilian fighters on a card, you know it's going to be dynamite <clears throat> because Brazil obviously being a spiritual home of mixed martial arts, you know, you... Brazil and mixed martial arts are inextricably linked. They're they're interwoven. So as I say, we have uh, we've got a bunch of Brazilian brawlers ready to ready to throw down, and you're going to be the man in the middle, calling their names, bringing them out, getting them pumped. You know, the most enthusiastic MC in global mixed martial arts. I think that's fair to say, right? I I think it is fair to say. I uh, first of all, I want to always give back to the sport my my whole uh goal the entire time is always to give the fighters the introduction that they deserve that they would want that i would want going into battle and i'll tell you what we've got on this card absolute killers yeah so it's going to be easy it's all our passion right mm -hmm. so um i call brazil the godfather of mixed martial arts that's fair you know and um man it, it's so such an honor to be here and it's going to be going nuts yeah. on Friday night. Because I've I've got the best seat in the house when you're calling a show. I'm pretty much front and center. I'm I can make eye contact with you while you're calling the fighters. I get buzzed like the the hairs on the back of my neck. The hairs I get goosebumps when you're doing it. Do, do do you feel the same when you're calling those fighters? Do you feel that energy? Can 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 you feel the energy you're getting back from a fighter when you're doing that? I do. I do. I uh. I feel so much the energy that, uh, you know, obviously sometimes my health, uh, Muhammad Shaheed, brave president, yeah. and I have laughed and, and joked a few times that if I ever pass away, I want to pass away in the brave cage announcing <laughs> for brave. And we even joke that on my casket, I would have different sponsors for brave, <laughs> like Green Hill, Abu Dhabi Sports, Emirates, uh, you know, um, airlines. Have you, ever thought, have you ever thought of recording the recording the intro to your own funeral? You know what? I never have. But uh, now that you mention that it, that would be the most lit funeral ever. That would be. It, it's kind of morbid to talk about this, but uh, yeah, it would be amazing. Right. We've all got to go sometime, yeah, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. So, so why not make it a celebration as opposed to something, as you say, morbid or something depressive? So right, right. Could you imagine the, the people in, in the pews and say, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> be pretty awesome. It would be awesome. Yeah, man. It's an honor to be here. Uh, every step that we've taken with Brave. I've been fortunate enough to be with Brave since Brave Day won. Dortmund, yeah, you were in a ground, you were in a, at uh, the ground level. Ground level. And you haven't, uh, you, you haven't missed a show with Brave. Haven't missed a show. This will be my 25th show with Brave, and uh, every show we've gotten bigger, better, stronger. As you've seen, yeah, it's great to have you aboard, Noel, Kirk, Janess. I mean, yeah. we're just loaded with talent, and the best thing about our Brave family is that everybody is so humble. So uh, such such secure human beings that, you know, we all want what's best for Brave, what's yeah. best for the organization. Everybody's pulling in the, right, the same direction. And it shows. Yeah. It shows. We don't have any divas, no prima donnas. 
Um, and it's just how can we, you know, showcase these fighters and elevate their career and give them the platform that they deserve yeah. worldwide. And that's what we do. We well, talked about that earlier. Like I, I said, and you know, this is this is the truth. No other organization will represent market brand a fighter yeah. more than Brave Combat Federation. It's it's crazy, but when you become part of the family, uh, Brave is going to take care of you in every way. Yeah, that's true. And, and that's been my goal since the beginning. It's all about the passion of the sport, giving back, and it comes full circle. So it's and with, phenomenal. Without sound, like, obviously, you know, we, we both work with Brave, so, you know, it could be construed that we're biased, but without sounding like a Brave shell, it is an organization for fighters by fighters because everyone that's involved like you yourself people may not know your own martial arts lineage tell us a little bit about that yeah uh, I started out as a boxer I was actually the uh, box in the Marine Corps uh, box before the Corps was uh, called the Great White Hope of San Diego (laughs) back many years when Jesus was just a little boy so um, yeah that was that was my introduction there I'm a jiu-jitsu competitor as well um, and you know, meddled in uh, mm-hmm. in Pan Am games as well as world. Yeah, people may not Worlds. people may not know it, but you're you're a legit purple belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Yeah, yeah, uh, trained under the likes of Eduardo Tellis, uh-huh. uh, Master uh, Carlos Valente, who's a uh, a coral belt, Dean Lister, Jeff Glover. I owe everything to these guys. I mean, that's anywhere that I've I've gone, anything that I've done is because of them. Yeah, and I also like. Obviously, you know, being a being a former competitor myself and someone who trains still and trains in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, it informs your understanding of what's going on in the cage. It informs your ability to empathize with what's going on in the cage. You know the kind of graft that these guys are putting in. You know what it takes to to get to the level. I I, I fought very low level, but and I trained. I trained like a madman, but to, for these guys to get to and by the way, level, not not to interrupt you, low level, but you're undefeated in your mixed martial arts career. Far too kind, right? my friend. Far Six too and zero as an amateur. Thunder, come on, man. Wait, I've got to give you props when you deserve it, and I respect, honor uh, that. And you know what? It's it's all about. We're such a tight family, and in martial arts, uh, you know, across the board, is a family like no one else that I've ever seen. Because we all know the sacrifices it takes. We all know what impact it makes on your family, the commitment, the struggle, the pain, the injuries, everything. And you've got to take that into account when you're going to an event like this. People see the end result of an event, but they don't know what it really takes to get to that event, for these guys to be there and actually uh, strapping it on and putting it all out there. Yeah, you know, I it, agree. It, there's no other sport where you're more vulnerable than mixed martial arts. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, you, you, if your team sports, for example, say you're a soccer player, right? If you have a bad game but your team wins, no one knows. No one, no one knows. That's fine. You can have a bad game, but if you have a bad night in the office in mixed martial arts, you're up shit creek. You're completely exposed. You're there in front of millions of people thousands of people in attendance millions of people on a worldwide scale so you have to be on and you have to make sure you've crossed every t dotted every i and done everything you can to be the best version of yourself on the night it's crazy right much less your family your friends yeah everything you know they're all there so so that's yeah so obviously you know we, we love the sport of mixed martial arts you're without a doubt you know you're there what 2017 uh, cage announcer of the year 2018 cage announcer of the year how did you get involved in MC? I'm a communications major in college I went to UC Davis where I played football uh, American football thanks yeah just want to clarify clarify that um, and you know I've always been involved in in the sport I've loved interviewing I've loved promoting I've loved giving back in any way I can and I started to commentate fights years ago. I remember my first big interview was Roy Big Country Nelson at the Ventura Fairgrounds. And this was like 15 years ago. And what, were you, what was it you were interviewing him for? Uh, it was a show uh, that was at the Fairgrounds MMA. Okay. And they had it there. And uh, I remember the guy who, who hired me that night, Alex Vieco, who gave me my big shot. And at the time, you know, I didn't know 
where that was going to go. I just followed my passion. And then I went on to different uh, mixed martial arts leagues, started from there, worked, you know, for years for free. Yeah. Really gave back. And then I actually started um, hiring my own camera guy and editor and just started uh, filming these shows and doing my own thing. And that's what helped me break out. So you began began in commentary as opposed to to starting as an MC? Yes. Yeah, I was first a commentator. Yes. So, which I loved, and um, I still do. I but feel, feel a little bit threatened now, but that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. You're phenomenal at what you do. I love that we found our niche into what we do. Mm-hmm. Obviously, for me, my niche is, is in inside the cage, yeah. and there's nothing that I love more than roaring to the crowd. They call me the roaring lion. Uh, I really get into it. Uh, like you said, I... Uh, you know, there's a, a, a ton of guys that deserve respect all yeah. across the world. We have uh, announcers all over the world that are amazing at what yeah, they do. Um, but like I said, I don't think I'm known for brings, my intensity. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think anybody brings that level of passion. You have your, and I'm not I'm not discrediting anyone's ability when it comes to MCing, but you have that generic American boxing style. You know, ladies and gentlemen, fighting out of the red corner, weighing in at 135. It just you know. That's that's a dime a dozen. Anybody can do that. Right. But what you're doing is com- something completely different. So how did you build that unique style? Because again, there's nobody like you in MCing. So how did you develop that unique style? Was it a conscious effort? Did you start doing the the stylized boxing announcing, or how did that come around that you developed into the Roaring Lion? You know, it's really. Um I owe it all to the passion of what I do. Mm-hmm. I don't follow any guidelines. I don't follow any really script. Um, as a matter of fact, early in my career, I've driven some producers crazy because <laughs> they're like, you have to stay here. You have to be in this box, right? And you can't move past three feet from the middle of the cage. If you follow me and you know me out there, you know that doesn't apply to me because- I've seen you nose to nose with fighters. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, because. I have to, and, and, and the guys learn that if you want a great show, you know, if you want everything to flow uh, best with me is to just let me go. Yep. Let me do what I do. Um, and, and that's really where it all became uh, and started to evolve. I just let it go, and I want to give everything I can for that fighter. Like I said, give the introduction that I would want in the oh, cage. Okay, okay. That's how I do it. Yeah. Like, what would I want going into battle? Anything less than that is unacceptable. So that's why I'll give, you know, guys who are in anywhere from amateurs to an experienced pro to a main eventer, whatever it is, I'm going to give 150% because they deserve it. So we've talked about that some producers will tell you that it needs to be a gradual build, that it needs to be going from 1 to 10 throughout the course of a show. I have... A little bit of issue with that as a commentator because I pride myself on my genuine reactions to what goes on. So if somebody's telling me that I need to slowly build, if something happens in the very first fight of a 20-card show right. and I lose my shit, it's right. because I've genuinely lost my shit. Right. I struggle with this thing where it's like you kind of need to save yourself for the main card. You need to save yourself for the main event. If something happens and it's a genuine, genuine reaction, I think that's why people gravitate to the likes of myself and Noel and Carrick as a commentary team because our reactions are genuine. And I think it's the same when you're calling a fighter out. Yes. Yeah. And you know what? Our combo between the four of us, I haven't seen in all of my experience in mixed martial arts, a better broadcast team. Everybody has their own style. Yeah. Everybody has their own way of doing things and it mixes perfectly. So hats off to brave uh, for believing in us and yeah. giving us that freedom to do that. Because as you've seen, a lot of organizations don't do that mm-hmm. and they don't allow that freedom. And, you know, and we're, you, we're basically artists, right? Doing yeah. our thing. We, you talk about us all having our own unique style. I also think even aesthetically, we have our own unique style. For anyone that's ever watched a Brave broadcast, you're, you're probably the best dressed MC in mixed martial arts. Now, Bruce Buffer, God help him, he tries... But he, he misses the mark every so often with, with his suit. Sometimes he looks like somebody that you would loan $100 off and then have to pay back 100 grand. But <laughs> your, uh, your suits, especially when we go to 
we went to the likes of Philippines, right? And you had this really ornate, uh, culturally aware red blazer, right? And it, it was awesome. And then obviously, you know, I I think of myself as quite a fashionable guy, so I'm you I'm, are I'm skinny jeans with with you know a, a little like what was the in. London. I was in like, London, there was a purple. I remember this, right? Yes, but you know, purple, <laughs> purple suit that just knocked your socks off. I mean, it was, uh, it was amazing. And of course, it it kind of flows with your Batman, you know, uh, Joker vibe. Jo- Joker vibe. Yeah, 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 yeah everything yeah. flows together. <laughs> On that, I have to give my wife. Tekka Thompson, all the credit for that. Um, she what? picks out sweetheart, by the way, sweetheart. And you know what? She's like. So amazing. Former Maxim model. Uh, you know, uh, she was a Miss World net. Yeah. She was a uh, peace ambassador for the United States yeah. as well. Like she picks out every jacket that I wear and I wear a new jacket every, every show. show. Yeah. Yeah. And she's responsible for that. I just, uh, you know, am kind of like the hand and foot model that just wears it. But Man, all the all the credit goes to her on that. And I'm always ready, like you are, to push the envelope yeah. on fashion mm-hmm. and make it our own. And you know what? The way I look at it is I'm the ringmaster in there for a reason, yeah. right? The people want to be entertained. They want a show. They deserve a show. They paid good money to be yeah. there. Let's entertain them. And I feel like with our combo, no one is more entertained than, than ones at our show. Yeah. Well, for me as well, it's like if... If I feel like I look good, I'm going to perform to the best of my abilities. If I feel like I look the part, right? I'm like if I feel like I look like in my head what uh, an MMA commentator should look like, what an what an MMA commentator at the top of his game should look like, super fresh, super fly. I'm going to go out and I'm going to commentate like I am the best commentator in the world. Now I know that's you know I know I'm not the best commentator in the world, but if I feel like I am for those five six hours, I'm going to perform like I'm the best commentator in the world. So it's feeling it and looking it and owning it, which which 100% works for me. What I wanted to get back to was you began an MMA commentary. Mm-hmm. How did the opportunity come up for you to to MC shows and then from MCing shows, what was the pickup point from Brave? So I was doing different shows. I was doing everywhere from Jiu Jitsu World League mm-hmm. to different grappling events to amateur shows to pro shows. I was just like, you know, like you started out, right? Uh, available and glad to be a part of mixed martial arts in yeah. any way that I could. So that started, and then I was with Epic Fighting, which is uh, an amazing show run by Jason Stewart in San Diego. And it's an amateur platform that you know, we didn't have, or at least I didn't have when, when I was young. Um, and it's, man, it's amazing. Like, you know, we get the support from the San Diego, uh, Mecca that has Dominic Cruz, Phil Davis, Dean Lister, Jeff Glover. You know, I could just keep going on of the stars that support Epic Fighting and their cage announcer went another direction. So I told Jason Stewart, I was like, you know what, brother? I, uh, you know, you give me a shot at this. I can make this happen and make it rain. And from there on out, it's all been history and went from there. So that's crazy because that was similar to, to 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 my introduction into commentary. Like, uh-huh. I've only been doing commentary maybe in and around two years now, but I pestered uh, a fight promoter. To, you did to give me a chance. Right. I was laid off with an injury, and I was like, do you know what? I because I used to commentate on fights. And anyway, at home when right. I was watching them in the crowd or at home or uh, wherever, yeah. yeah. And when I was watching it, if I was watching with a friend, and there was those moments where, if you're watching a UFC, for example, and you said something, and a couple of seconds later, Joe Rogan said it, yeah. said something similar, you're like, holy shit, I'm a fucking Jedi. <laughs> you, you get those moments where you're like, fuck, I, I must, I must know a little bit of what I'm talking about. Right. So when you went from from saying yeah give me a shot to actually getting in there and doing it did you feel straight away like yes this is what i was meant to do i i'm i'm owning this i am and i am an mc i am a cage announcer yeah it, it was a natural fit for me like i said i was a communications major in college yeah i've always been throughout grade school high school i've done plays drama i really loved acting so i have always been geared for yeah. putting on a show and i love it i actually have loved the microphone so um, any way that I felt that I could have the microphone in my hands, I knew I could entertain the crowd. I knew that I could relate to them and I knew that I could bring them to a different level of excitement 
that they've never seen before. Mm-hmm. And one thing about Brave Combat Federation is we put on a sh- show and a production like no one else. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's really like seeing a Broadway production, you know, because you've got the lighting, the sound, the, uh, you know, the pyrotechnics, the music, everything fits together. And it just creates an incredible ambiance, an incredible atmosphere. And that's why I feel, you know, fighters are coming back. The world, as we, we've we seen, we, we're broadcast to millions and millions of people with Brave. That's scary when you think about it. It, it is. It is kind of bit. scary when you think about it. I, I try not to ever think yeah. that we're being broadcast to 848 million homes <laughs> tonight. So I better be on my game, you know. It's just, uh, it's all from the heart. It's all passion. And, you know, at the end of the day, like you said, we're diehard MMA fans. Mm-hmm. So we would be doing this, like we said, you and I would be there in the crowd, mm-hmm. doing it for free. Yeah, we having, both, and we both have done it for free. Yeah, we, for we, a we, long time. We both have called fights, and like either in commentary or as an MC for free. And I think that illustrates, you know, people think that, yes, we do, doing this job, we do live a charmed life. You know, we're, we're in, we're in Belo Horizonte right now. The a couple of nights before Brave Combat Federation 25, and it is unbelievable to think about it. But we've both paid our dues. Do you know what I mean? Like we've yeah. we've we've done we've we've done shows for free where you're maybe doing a six-hour show, and it's cost you money to be there. Yes, for you know? sure. So I actually lost money for a long time, and I didn't look at it. I I looked at it as uh, doing what I love, building the brand. Yeah. So for the young guys out there. Right. The guys who are up and coming and want to get involved in mixed martial arts, follow your heart, show the promotions that you are there for them. Yeah. But don't be a commentator. There's enough of those. OK, you don't need to be a commentator. There's loads, there's, no, loads of commentary is really hard to break into. I like to stay away from commentary. <laughs> it's um, yeah. It, you know what? It's it's something that is so unique that it, it really is a niche that we're in. Yeah. You know, you either have. You have it or you don't. And again, I think that's fair. Um, you know, again, you have to usually have the experience in mixed martial arts to be able to call fights in mixed martial arts. It's a hand in hand thing that goes that's, together. That's a really interesting point. Do because we kind of alluded to that earlier about your experience in, in all round martial arts. Do you think it benefits a show to have guys that have been in there and have fought and have experienced it and and as we've said, you know, can't empathize with what's going on. Oh, for case. sure. For sure. I mean, bottom line is uh, you can't go into battle unless you know what to do when you're in battle. Like you've been there before. That's fair. That's fair. I'm a former Marine captain uh, in the United States. And I, I yeah, tell you again, what. People, people may not know that about your background because yeah. it's, it's not something that's it's not something that's ever really mentioned. But, you know, you were a Marine captain. Yeah. How has that informed your, I don't know, I guess your your fortitude, your your mental capacity to, to not even just with regards to martial arts, but just your your approach to life. Because, you, you know, being a Marine captain, that's that's not something everybody does. Yeah, it's a uh, it was something that I, I was glad to do. I was honored to do for my country. It was something that I felt I had to do, but everything after that has been easy for me. Like we were talking about before, um, I was a uh, a, involved in the uh, school of uh, a seer school, which is survival, evasion, resistance, and escape. So that that sounds scary. So so what is that again? Sound out that acronym for me one more time. Seer. Which is survival, evasion, resistance, and escape. That already sounds like something that fucking James Bond would have trouble with. <laughs> what do, what is that, and what does that involve? Yeah, it's uh, well for our case, we went to Warner Springs, which is like 110 degrees. They uh, teach you how to live off the land in the in the first week, uh-huh. and then they set you free. They hunt you down. They try to capture you. Um, I was fortunate with the the guy. They try I was, to capture you. Yes. 
So, so, you, so you, you literally have they, – they, what are they giving you, like time skill to get away? Yeah, you have a time to get away uh-huh. and then you're basically you know camouflaged into the land. You're avoiding them at all costs. You're in rivers, swamps, uh, you know the foliage, whatever you can do to not be captured. I was lucky enough that I was with uh, a partner of mine and we weren't captured, so they had to blow a horn – and I was like, oh, this is great. This is, you know, maybe this is over for us. That doesn't sound like that happens very often. How many guys don't get captured? Uh, there was only like two or three uh, two-man groups for my entire 42 or 44-person unit that didn't get captured. I was lucky enough to be one of them. I don't think luck has any. I think you're being humble there. I don't think luck has anything to do with that at all, Carlos. It was more of a will and a, and a desire to say, I'm not going to get captured. Well, that you goes know. back to what we were talking about of how your military experience has informed your fortitude, your your survival instincts, if you will. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I, I thought after that, when they, they blew the horn, I was like, okay, this is great. We, you know, we succeeded in this. So did you come out of the rushes with the hands up, sort of being like, yes, this is us done? Yeah. So we, yeah, we, we actually uh, gave ourselves up went in and they took us right to a concentration camp. Fucking where, hell. Yeah, which was unbelievable. There was a, a colonel in our group and I was a lieutenant at the time. And they said, who's the highest ranking officer in charge? Okay. And this colonel raised his hand. They walked up to him and they slapped him in the face in front of everybody <laughs> and, and, dra- and dragged him in the mud. And I was like, okay, this is going to be a wild ride. It's like this is not over at all. Yeah, not over at all. It was just beginning. Um, they put us in, in, in literally, they give you a Folgers can to defecate in and to pee in. And then you, you have literally a little box that you have to be in. You have a potato sack over your head. And I ripped a hole in mine so I could see. Uh, but it, like we were saying, if you if your knees hit the side of the wall, then they would take you out and they'd beat you. The thing that made this so unbelievably challenging yeah. in that people don't realize is they played music the entire time and they blasted it. So they blasted so what, what it. Was, mu- what music are you listening to? It was Boots Marching Down Again. Eins, zwei, drei. Boots marching down to get the same music over and over and over and so loud that you can't even think. So they really got you in that regard, too. Um, so was that like, it was like German propaganda stuff. Or yeah, what? it was it was crazy. Yeah. And they have, uh, you know, Navy SEALs, fighter pilots, uh, recon, of course, Army Rangers. I mean, you know, the elite of the elite went to this. And did anyone break like like you? Must, oh, like, a ton, ton of guys broke. I mean, a ton of guys, uh, you know, they were crying. And this, is the tough, were, this is the toughest of the tough. This is the 1% yes. of the human race doing this. Yes, yeah. And these were actively selected for this. You yes, know? yeah. And they were the cream of the crop from each of their uh, divisions in the service. Yeah. So, you know, me getting to there, um, I was like, the way I got through it was my sense of humor. I was like, first I ripped a hole in my potato sack, right, so I could see. Next, I would just tell jokes constantly about anything that I could see, any of the guards. Um, and I have a bad knee. I've had uh, eight knee operations on my right knee. I've had three on my left. I'm going into my 23rd surgery now coming up. I had a hip replacement and now I need a shoulder replacement. So I'm, I'm all over the map. From, you like the bionic from, man? I am, except, uh, yeah. And just to let people know, I sent Carlos a message earlier today saying, Carlos, uh, do you want to go for dinner later? He's like, yeah, I'll go for uh, I'll go for dinner a little bit. I'm just in the gym right now doing a shoulder workout. How long ago did you have shoulder surgery? No, I need the shoulder need surgery. The shoulder surgery. My, okay. my rotator cuff is snapped completely and in you half. Did, and you were doing a workout. Yes. All right, so that just yeah. speaks to your fucking fortitude and what's going on in between your ears. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it drives my my wife Tekka crazy because she's she's like, you should not be lifting on this. What are you doing? You know that kind of thing. But you know, for you for you guys out there that are listening, if you're into athletics, fitness, whatever, you know you need that release. Oh god, I yeah, yeah. I have to have that release just like you do, right? Yeah, like I I I, I don't compete anymore, but like. If I didn't get to do my my sparring on a Wednesday and a my sparring on a Wednesday and a, a Tuesday or a Thursday or a Sunday, I'd be 
I wouldn't be a nice person to be around. But Phil, you do compete. And I saw it when we were in Bahrain and you submitted five guys in a row oh, in the cage oh, shit. Do you remember that? With, with the sweetest gal in the world, Lenny Hart. Oh, that yeah, was Lenny, right there. Yeah. So just sorry, just and then, she's watching this. I mean, tell tell the story that's, of the. That's that's a great story. So we were, uh, Brave Combat Federation 18 in uh, the home of mixed martial arts in the Middle East, Bahrain. The mecca of mi- yeah. mixed martial arts now. I mean, really, Bahrain is the epicenter for yeah. the entire world Definitely. for mixed martial arts, and we have to give credit where it's due to the, to, the, the to His Highness Sheikh Khalid bin Hamad Al Khalifa, who is. You know, and I've seen a lot of amazing leaders in my time. This man is the greatest leader who has changed more lives than I've ever seen in my life yeah. times a hundred. Yeah. That's what that's what he's doing for the world. He's completely changed the landscape of mixed martial arts. And you know, if you don't know about it, follow it, get up to date about it, because yeah. this man is doing things that no one has ever done before. Yeah. Don't be a dick. Follow Brave Combat Federation on every social media platform that you can. Thank here, you. here. But uh, but as, as we were saying there, yeah, Brave Combat Federation 18 in Bahrain. I have this ritual. We, we do rehearsals the day before a show. So we go to the venue, the cage and everything set up. It's usually a long day, so we've got lots long, of long lo- lots of periods of sitting, chilling, doing nothing in between sound checks. So I like to get into the cage and kind of feel what the cage is like. I just bit of a ritual, take my shoes off, I bounce around, I have a little bit of fun in there, I do a little bit of shadow boxing just to feel what it's like. So I'm doing that in Bahrain, and all of a sudden uh, a guy appears at the and uh, they're volunteer helpers. I must say the volunteers are fantastic at the show. So a volunteer helper appears at the door and was like, uh, "Do you want to roll?" And I was like, "Yum." Um, <laughs> I'm wearing a shirt and skinny jeans, but yeah, sure. And needed knee surgery, by the yeah, way. Yeah, this was before my knee surgery, yes. yeah. So, we just got done talking about how you yeah, needed that surgery yeah. too, yeah. So guy comes in, he's like, do you want to roll? And I thought, yeah, you know, we're just we're just going to maybe like flow a little bit. He's wearing a brave t-shirt. He's one of the guys, you know, we're just, we're going to have a little bit of fun. Part of the family, you know, all good. This dude shoots in on a double leg that you would see in the NCAAs, takes me down. Matt Hughes style. Yeah, it takes me down Matt Hughes style, and I'm thinking, holy shit, I'm, you know, this this kid's going for me. So I think I threw up like a triangle or something, and I managed to get a tap off him just out of instinct more than anything. So he gets up, and as I look around in the cage, there's a queue of four other dudes standing at the cage. Waiting in line. Yeah, each one of them comes in, slap hands, and they go for me. Yeah. I mean, like, each one of them legitimately, like, went for me. And... And in Bahrain, like, everyone trains uh, BJJ. It's in the same way back home, everybody, like, everybody would play football or everybody would, you know, play some sort of sport. Everyone does BJJ in Bahrain. So these kids are good. Yeah. So I had five guys all, like, coming at me. And I just go, I remember I come back to the table and I'm sweating. Like I submitted all five, by the way, yeah, ladies and gentlemen. Managed, managed to get a tap. Too on. humble to say, but yes, tapped so, all five out in come, a row. Come, come back to the table, and I was like, you know, I was, I didn't want to say anything about it because I felt like a little bit of a dick. And Carlos just looks at me and in his own in the little style goes, "So, uh, five and zero oh there, kid." I was like, "Oh shit, Carlos does." <laughs> and Lenny Hart, for Lenny Hart, who is the voice of of pride, crazy pride lady. Any of you that will that would be fans of mixed martial arts. Lenny Hart was was working with Carlos on that show. She was also there. And what a sweetheart she is. What a sweetheart. I mean, really an icon in the business. Yeah. And for us to meet her and to work with her and to see what a sweet, humble lady she is, because she's really an institution for mixed martial arts. Yeah. She has her own incredible style, as you you may recall, you know, from following Pride and uh, just... I mean, she was watching in awe. She's like, yeah. she's like uh, Phil Campbell. Yeah, that's my new hero. It was great. That 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 was a lot of fun. Yeah. What what's been your favorite show so far, Carlos? I think my favorite show was Morocco. And that was with Brave. That was with Brave. Was with, like, Tangier, Tangier, Morocco. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it was uh, it it was my favorite because I get. 
I get pumped off the crowd. The bigger the venue, the louder the fans, the more passionate people are, yeah. the more that I, I excel and go crazy. Morocco was so loud that I couldn't even hear myself on the microphone. Oh, shit. Yeah. I mean, it was it was nuts. And uh, when uh, Otman Azetar fought uh -huh. and the Moroccan flags being flown by everybody in the crowd, the place was literally shaking. And um, after the fights, I couldn't even get to the car. It took like 45 minutes to get to the car because the fans were so incredible, so passionate. They all wanted to talk to me. They all wanted to see, talk to our announcing team. They wanted to talk to anybody who was involved in the production. And uh, man, just incredible, incredible fans. Everywhere we've gone has been insane. But Morocco, I would say, was my favorite show. And you you kind of touched on it a little bit there, and you were being you're being quite humble about it. It's like you, as the roaring lion of Brave Combat Federation, you get fucking tortured anywhere we go. When we finish a show, you know people aren't racing to find fighters. People aren't racing to get a picture with the broadcast team, with the president who's there, with the talent that's there. They're rushing to get a picture with Carlos Kramer. How does that feel? You know, it's it's surreal. And, uh, you know, all I can say is how grateful I am to be doing something that I love from the bottom of my heart, to be representing Sheikh Khalid bin Ahmad Al-Khalifa, yeah. to be representing the hawk Mohammed Shaheed, who is, by the way, the hardest working CEO. El Presidente. El Presidente. This man is the hardest working tireless work ethic CEO in the business bar none. There's no one like him. He works 20 hours a day, day in, day out. And, uh, you know, just that honor of representing them, I'm going to give everything I can to make every Brave show the best production that it possibly can be. That's fair, man. That's fair. But yeah, it's, it's humbling and it's surreal. It like, it still doesn't hit me yet because you know, at the end of the day, I really, you know, I'm, I'm just not cut from that cloth. Like if anybody wants a picture with me, it's like, no problem, an autograph, no problem. I'm here for you, whatever, however long it takes, because I want to give back to our sport. When I'm gone from here, uh, long gone, I want to leave the legacy of I did my part to improve and elevate mixed martial arts. That's all I want. That's pretty cool. That's pretty. It's cool. all I want. And I think for for us to be able to play some part in the the furtherance of MMA in probably districts and areas that it wouldn't normally go to, I think when we have the opportunity to sit back and reflect upon that, I think that's only really truly when it's going to kick in that that how special what we're what we're doing is. But yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, and we've been so busy that sometimes it doesn't hit us. Yeah. With the impact that we're making around the world. In each country we go to, they're so thankful, so grateful that we're giving them that opportunity to showcase their fighters, to showcase their country. And the thing I love about Brave that no one else is doing is, it's country versus country for worldwide bragging rights. Yeah. I mean, that, when you put a nation's flag on your back and you go, into that cage, these fighters literally will die before they're going to tap out or quit. Um, getting back real quick so we could finish this Sears School. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting back to that, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I, I'm just, I'm just going to let you know that myself and Carlos have had a couple of beers what, during the course of uh, this podcast, so we may go off on a little bit of a tangent on a couple of occasions. <laughs> but, but Carlos has the capability and, and brain space to bring it right back seamlessly. By the way, seamlessly. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Yeah, no, it's um, it, you know, I just wanted to finish up with the the Sears School experience that I had because it is different. Um, when you when we were beaten, um, you were beat like, is that not in contravention of the Geneva Convention? Yeah, you would think there would be something <laughs> against this. Um, now we're talking about, it was probably 19, I think we're talking 1992. So as I was saying uh, before, they had guards, they had the music, they had the watchtower. I mean, everything was played to a to a degree. Military precision. Yeah, it yeah. was military precision. And they would have guards that were six foot five each. 
they would grab each side of your lapel and they would slam you against a wall that had a little give so it would you would come back so each time they would beat you they would slam you against the wall there'd be a little give so you'd come back but each time it would knock the wind out of you fuck and i got to a point where i have bad knees so i needed to stretch my knees out mm-hmm. so i deliberately was touching my knees to the wall so I could to get I'd out? rather get beaten than than to stretch your fucking knees than, than yes I'd rather get beaten than have the pain of my knees so that that was crazy that's ridiculous uh, but what, what other what others so they had obviously they, they would take you outside smash you against the wall to knock the wind out of you yeah what other stuff was going on there to test your fortitude we uh well when i escaped i was one of 42 guys in the camp to escape okay which very very fortunate for that uh four o'clock in the morning i had noticed a pattern during the night that they had about half of the staff that they normally did and i was like if i'm ever gonna make a run for it it's gonna be at a time where they don't expect it um, so these guys, they were half staffed. Um, they were waterboarding. I was waiting in line with a potato sack, naked, by the way, uh, to get waterboarded in every orifice. They had hoses that they were putting people in a coffin and, and uh, you know, going to town on their body. Oh sometimes, and like, sometimes you have to pay upwards of 100 quid for that kind of treatment. Oh, yeah. I felt, I, I felt like it was a special time, right? <laughs> this was all on the house. This was free. That's so, <laughs> they, they genuinely waterboarded you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, well, I was in line for this. Yeah. And I had noticed that there was a hole in the fence about like 40 feet away. And I didn't even okay. know by this time whether I could run or not, because you you haven't been able to do any exercise, run, whatever. It was very isolated what you could do and okay. what they allowed. And I made, I had ripped a hole in the potato sack, uh, which you're not supposed to do, of course, but I had to, you have to see what's going on. Uh-huh. Because if you can't see, and with that music blaring at you, you really the will go crazy. Will make you go crazy. You, you'll go crazy, yeah. So um, I saw a hole in the fence, and um, you know when they were looking the other way, I didn't even know if my legs would work, and I was gone. I went through, I, I ran, went through the fence, and running naked through the hills of Warner Springs. And they finally had to come out with a siren because then they're worried that, you know, a guy who's literally gone nuts uh-huh. is out there and how dangerous that is to be sprinting around nude, right? And uh, well, pretty much out of, out, of, out of your mind. Yeah, so um, we had to have therapy, follow up from that for a good three to six months after that to make sure you're okay. And uh, yeah, I escaped and it was amazing. So I thought, okay, game over, I won, right? They bring me back to camp, they're like, congratulations, you escaped, blah, blah, blah. And then they put me right back into population and they beat me again. So (laughs) that was my reward for escaping. Which is going straight back into circulation. Yeah, but it was the, uh, and it's documented uh, as well, that I did get out of there and escape. But it was, um, man, you know, after you've after you've been through things like that, we were talking. Um, it makes everything they say don't s- sweat the small stuff in life. Yeah. It really puts that in into perspective. So it helped me that now I can deal with pretty much anything, and I'm not going to get flustered. I'm not going to let it get to me. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that kind of deal. So your, your your time in the military was obviously, by the sounds of it, so so formative, and you can accredit that with you being the person you are today. You hear about a lot of veterans leaving the military, going back into civilian life and not coping well. Yes. Is that something you experienced? How long was it between you leaving the military, going back into civilian life? How long was it before you felt like a civilian, if at all? Yeah. Uh, it probably took a good two years. Two years? Two years, yeah, to acclimate again. Because I finished from uh, from there, I was honored. They they picked the top five percent of the Marine Corps officers to go to be a series commander. So I was able to go back to boot camp at MCRD in San Diego, where they do the 13 week boot camp for these Marines. And I was actually the leader of the series. And we would go 13 weeks on, and I had 24 hour duty every three days. So it was a it was a grind. A I mean, it was, it was a commitment. But then after that, we would have like eight to ten days off, and then we'd start another series. So um, 
with that in mind, you know, it, it just took a while to acclimate after that. But I was fortunate. I knew that I wanted to do a lot more with my life. I knew I had a personality that I wanted to be able to, you know, grow express and, and express myself. And I love the Marine Corps, but it just wasn't the way for me to express myself for a future for 20 plus years. Would it be fair to say perhaps you outgrew the Marine Corps a little bit? Possibly, mm-hmm. possibly. It, it knew, you know, for, for me, the Marine Corps was a bucket list kind of thing. I knew I wanted to do it. I knew I had to do it for my country. I'm very old school that way. Mm-hmm. And well, what's uh, that informed by, that ethos? Uh, my dad was, uh, you know, may rest in peace, was a Air Force staff sergeant. And um, we had some Marines as friends, Joe Fabrizio, Steve Ruda, who shaped me kind of growing up. And I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to okay. be a leader of men. You know, I didn't I wasn't ready after college. I went to UC Davis and uh, I wasn't ready for an office job. I didn't want to be I'm not a nine to five guy. I knew that wasn't my deal. So uh, I knew I wanted to be challenged mentally and physically. And there, I was like, what's the best way to do that? Well, the Marine Corps, mm-hmm. right? And and sure enough, they did, they did that for it. I'm thankful for the experience, but I also knew after five years, it was time to move on. Okay, cool. What, what gives you pleasure outside of the military, outside of being an MC? What are the things that you take pride in? What are the things you take joy in in your personal life as Carlos Kramer, the human being, not Carlos Kramer, the the personality, the celebrity? Man, that's a good question. Um, you know, I've evolved through time. I'm a different guy now than I was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, growing, which I'm sure is a good thing. It's a good, it's a great thing. We've talked, we've talked a little bit about Mm -hmm. having, uh, you know, good people in our life, having a great woman, Mm -hmm. uh, to support me, to love me, to show me that there's a lot more to life. You know, I I always had a thing growing up that I never thought I'd lived till I was 30. I just lived that kind of life that I was like, there's no way I'm going to meet, make it to 30. I'm sure you can probably relate to that when you were a young man. Yeah, it sucks now that I'm 30. I'm like, fuck, I'm still here. <laughs> right. I'm still here. It's like, well, what do I do now? I'm oh, still here. Yeah, I'm still here. I'm a little bit chubby. My hair, I'm losing a little bit of hair. <laughs> Dude, you're a, you're a god and a lord. Come on. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Come on. Irish thunder. Um, yeah, you know what? It's, a, it's so much more rewarding for me now. I have a family now. I have an incredible son who's eight years old. Who's um, a tank, by the way. He's a tank. He's five feet, one inches tall, 135 pounds. Mm-hmm. And uh, your, your kid's jacked. He's not. He's not like an out of shape kid. Like your no, kid, your kid's jacked. No, he's he's jacked. Yeah, he's jacked. He's uh. I wrestle with him every day. Beautiful. I give him. I give him a dollar for any time he can mount me. And it's kind of like uh, you know. Cato from the the Pink Panther or yeah. whatever, right? If you can, if you can, uh, you know, mount me, you get a dollar. It doesn't matter. Him. It doesn't matter if I'm ready for it or not, which is great. Keeps me on my toes. But I wrestle with him every day. Well, you should protect yourself at all times, Carlos. You of all people should know that. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, I have a daughter, Crimson, who's beautiful. Two, beautiful daughter, by the way. Two and a half years old. She's changed my life completely. You I know. So. I so. You know, they always say, you know, uh, tough guys, when you when you the only thing to bring you to your knees is to have a daughter. Uh-huh. And man, it, it couldn't be any more true. She is she's an amazing little girl. She was born blind um, and she touches my heart in every way, every day. And I can't even express now that from a guy who thought he wouldn't live till 30, now I need to live till I'm 130 to take care of her. I can't put her out in the the real world alone. Mm -hmm. She needs a strong man to be there for her. And she gives me so much joy. Uh, You know, my family gives me so much joy. It's a whole different ballgame for me right now. So that's what that's what I'm all about right now is is just giving back to the kids, giving back to the community. And I've had some brushes with, uh, you know, with death that, you know, I'm, oh, I'm really? not proud I, of. I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not proud of, but uh, I had what's known as the Widowmaker heart attack. 
um, when I went to Abu Dhabi. Oh they, yeah, that's the the same uh, <clears throat> same heart attack. Uh, Kevin Smith, the comic book writer, comic book director, had. I didn't realize it was that that severe. Yeah. Because for for those of you that may not know, um, uh, Brave sixteen was in Abu Dhabi. You, I was just told that you had health problems, and that that's you, all you, you were told. Yeah. Yourself out. I didn't realize you had had such a significant heart attack. Yeah. So when did you have the heart attack? I had the heart attack, um, man, it was September of, so we're almost on a year uh-huh. and it completely changed my life. It completely opened my eyes. Um, I had in just fought by following up with the doctor, yeah. him telling me the severity of what I had with Tekka in the room. And he was like, cause it's called the widow maker. The widow maker. Yeah. He was like, everything you need to he was like, it. you, you have no idea how close you are to death. He goes, when we get that call, you have 90 minutes to where we have to act or you're going to die. Mm-hmm. Well, what he didn't realize is that I gutted it out for like two hours at home. Shit. Yeah. I couldn't breathe. And I was like, you know, you always think we're going to make it out. Right. Yeah. I always think I'm going to make it out. And I couldn't make it out. I couldn't, uh, you know, uh, that's when reality kind of set out that you're not Superman. We're not invincible. Yeah. And, you know, it just, uh, it just opened my eyes. So I was rushed by ambulance to the emergency room, spent four days in ICU. They put a couple of stints in. I needed a couple of more, but they just did these stints to get me by yeah. as quickly as possible and, and keep me living. Um, to but keep you living. To Fuck. keep me living, yeah. And then, uh, you know, I have so much passion for what I do. Uh-huh. And so grateful for what where I am with Brave Combat Federation. And I feel like I have a responsibility to be there to every show. Mm-hmm. I've made 25 shows now. Um, I, I think I'm the only one in the company yeah, the that has made every, every Brave. Show. So, you know, in, in you know life, there's always curveballs. That life happens. They, yeah. Life happens. So uh, I went from ICU intensive care unit and I went home and I told Tekka, I was like, babe, uh, she goes, oh, you finally get to rest. And I go, baby, pack my bags. I'm going to Abu Dhabi. And she's going, what? And I go, yeah. She's like, what about the doctors? I go, yeah, I didn't, you know, I didn't necessarily fill them in that I would be traveling uh, 20 hours on flights and whatever mm-hmm. to Abu Dhabi. And I went to Abu Dhabi and I somehow did that show. Yeah. And you, you killed, know. you absolutely killed it. That might not, that might not be the most appropriate uh, vernacular to use. <laughs> to be fair, maybe maybe I should say you smashed it. Right. But that was yeah, like you that show was flawless. That was my that was my second time seeing you live. That was my first time being part of the broadcast team because the first time I saw you was uh, Brave Combat Federation 13 in Belfast, which I went to as a fan. Wow. And then my 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 first show. Did I even meet you then? No, we didn't. No, meet, I didn't meet no, you. No, we didn't meet. I met, so the next show. It was, yeah, or, Brave, or Brave 16. Brave 16. Brave 16 in Abu Dhabi was the first show I met you. Now, and I I have to say, I have to say, that I've said, I think I've said to you before, but if not, I want to say in a public forum, just how wonderful you were as somebody new coming in to the organization because I was, um, I came into Brave and at the time I didn't think I deserved to be there at all. I thought I was just there by the virtue of the fact that Noel O'Keefe had been like, for me, Noel O'Keefe is kind of like the big brother and I'm his little brother. And the mom has said, you have to take your little brother with you out to play. Right. So you I, had told me about that. Yeah. So you were thinking, great, I'm going with Noel yeah, to the, the show. Yeah, I get to hang out, yeah, right? And, I'm going to do this. Initially, you had, didn't know that you were going to be initially, actually commentating Initially, Noel had messaged to the world. me asking, is your passport and date you're going to Abu Dhabi? So I thought, fuck, this is awesome. Noel's got a plus one. He's bringing me to hang out. <laughs> this is class. I'm going to get great seats for Brave. Right. And then it transpired that they wanted me for commentary. So obviously I'm the new guy there. I feel like the new guy. I was very worried about what the dynamic was going to be like. And yourself and Carrick could not have been more humble, more ingratiating, just making me feel like part of the part of the team from the get-go and that made a huge difference to how comfortable i felt that night right and i just want to say in a public forum thank you very much for that because uh, that 
you hear about things like that and you hear about people being very separate about their position within an organization. So it could have been e very easy for you to be like, well, who the fuck is this new guy? I've never heard of him. What's he doing here? Right. But yourself and Carrick could not have been nicer. So Carlos Kramer, thank you very much for that. Man, I appreciate that. You know what? You deserve that and, and so much more. It was, uh, you know, respect is given to you because you earned it. You were there and I knew you had brought the thunder to be there. And I was like, that's enough for me. He's yeah, there you, and you, we're going to... He coined the nickname Irish Thunder, for Christ's sake. Irish Thunder. And, and how appropriate is that? Mm -hmm. That, that, right? that, that, that's what people like I go what to what did you just do did you just snap your oh I just clicked my lip ring back in there yeah, so my lip <laughs> ring got loose but, but yeah no, no, you coined Irish Thunder people call me Irish Thunder now do they really shows. yeah yeah people like, I want know, a royalty fee on everyone that calls you Irish I'll Thunder I'll tell you what I'll, I'll give you a dollar for every time it happens there saying. we go there we go <laughs> so, I'll be able to buy a candy bar sometime soon a damn good one no yeah a damn, damn good, good one, one. No, bro. I, I mean, honestly, if you want to get ahead in life, I've always been on on the attitude and the belief with treat everyone with respect until they deserve not to be, you know, yeah. treat everyone with the love and compassion because, you know, we're all in this struggle together. Yeah. We've all got our own things that we're dealing with. And man, you just had that right attitude, that right uh, personality. And that's a, a big props to Brave for putting together really a dream team, not only with our commentary crew, but head to toe from every everybody in the organization. Mm. Like we, we go to team meetings and company meetings and whatever. And yeah. man, everyone's a superstar in their own right. And that's what makes Brave special. Mm. But yeah, it was nothing for me. It was nothing special because I knew you were a star. I knew. I believed in you, maybe even in that regard, before you even believed in yourself. Fuck yeah. That, that, dude, I, I, still I did. I still suffer massively from imposter syndrome. Um, imposter syndrome is where you feel like you're in a position that you have no right to be in. I feel that every day with any show I do. I'm sitting down there and I'm thinking, I literally think that like all of a sudden someone's going to come up to me and be like, listen, we've made a mistake. You shouldn't be here. And if that ever happened, I'll be the first person to go, do you know what? You're right. I'm sorry for wasting your time and I'll go. But, uh, but slowly, 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 I, I am beginning to feel more comfortable in those kind of positions. And it's due to people like yourself and people like Carrick, people like Noel, who's been one of my biggest fucking advocates. Yeah. Noel O'Keefe has been one of my biggest fucking advocates. Unbelievable so. guy. Yeah. And then when you uh, combo him with Carrick, yeah. Jeunesse. I mean, it, it's really a dream. Kerry Jeunesse, the, the, we call him the OG, the OG of mixed martial arts, the old gangster of mixed martial arts, because he was, you were in Brave at uh, at ground level. He was in mixed martial arts as a concept. Yes. From ground zero. You know, the underground forum. He's, he's, he's one of the most well-regarded practitioners, one of the most well-regarded personalities in mixed martial arts. We've, we've assembled a hell of a team. So. And if you meet either of these guys, you're going to be blown away with how humble, how professional, how truly nice they are. Mm -hmm. uh, as, Tekka, long, as long as you buy me a drink, um, I'm a nice th guy. That's right. That's right. Keep the shots flowing and we're good. <laughs> um, yeah, like, uh, you know, so Tekka, you said Tekka there, sorry. Yeah, when, when I, I brought Tekka to London and poor thing was so sick, you know. Um, she, had taking, the, she had the worst luck in London. The worst luck. But you know what? Um, taken from ambulance, from the plane to hospital in London and then threw up for the next five days. It was brutal. But what made her feel at home was the Brave family. Yeah. How much everyone truly cared for her. And I tell you what, it's really different. Like I've been associated with a lot of shows in my career now. And a brave show, the brave staff, the brave people are truly different. Everyone cares. Uh, we're not only just working together, we're best friends outside of the show as well. Yeah, for sure. And it makes a difference. It really does. Because the broadcast, the uh, production is all together. It just clicks as one. So, yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't speak enough about how grateful I am to be as well, you know, Brave calls me the voice of Brave. And I take that responsibility and honor very, very seriously. How does that feel to be to be the voice of an international mixed martial arts promotion? And it's not just hyperbole, it's not just shit talk. It's like you're gen like if 
if I if I read like a brave article in if I'm like reading a brave article, I'm reading that in your voice. In the same way that if I'm reading a Batman comic, I'm reading Batman as Kevin Conroy. You have that sibilance, you have that connection, you are the voice of Brave Combat Federation. How does that make you feel? Man, it chokes me up. Uh it really does, because first of all, like you, I'm like uh looking and like, man, are they they calling me? That's me that they're they're saying I'm the voice, right? Of brave, it's it's really unbelievable to me, and it's a dream come true. I never, in my wildest dreams, would think that I would be in a position that I'm in today. But you know what? If you have the heart and you have the passion, and follow what you want, and and have that desire, uh, good things happen, mm-hmm. and amazing things have happened. Not only for me, but for all of us. Mm-hmm. We're not only here in Brazil now; we're going straight to Colombia, yeah. to Bogota. I mean, it's it's. Spreading the word, creating peace, uh, you know, again, in having each country be so proud mm-hmm. to represent and win or lose. I don't care if a country has a problem with each other. If you go to battle inside the cage and you respect each other in the cage, when you're done, you're best friends in the world. Yeah. You know, there's something that brings you together. You, know, you know somebody so much more. You, you you have this this connection with somebody if you fought them in the confines of a cage. Right. You have that lasting respect. You you know you know that person probably better than they know than their family know them, you know. It's you have that that weird kind of connection. But but yeah, yeah, we're flying to Colombia like straight after this show. Yeah. So so for me from being like from essentially being a wee scumbag from from a provincial town of Larne in Northern Ireland. Did you ever dream that you would be at Fuck the no. At this level in your life? My, I had no aspirations beyond training in mixed martial arts. So then to compete and then to do commentary and then to do it on a global scale. Like, as I I say, it's, it's still, like, the places I've been to are places that I couldn't have imagined going without Brave. You know, I couldn't have afforded to go to places without Brave. I've been to some of the most beautiful locations in the world so I'm, I'm very thankful for the opportunities that have been afforded me but one thing I wanted to ask you right this is completely off topic yeah people may not know this but you're a stand-up comic as well yes what's your favorite joke ah I oh, like that. so many I like so many jokes and, um, I, and, and I know I know, this, more I, know of I know to say that that's the most dickish thing to say to a comic it's like no saying, no it's, it's like find, it's, it's like finding out someone's a, a comic at like a a dinner party so I'll be like oh tell me a joke then you're right I wonder what's the what's your favorite joke not stand up routine but like your your favorite just deadpan joke that you know I love talking about the time that uh, I manscaped and <laughs> right <laughs> you know what uh, it, shit, I'm gonna take a swig it, of my beer before you yeah, dive into this yeah probably not appropriate for this hour but no, uh, manscaping is something that, you know, I was like, it's I something heard that about we all it. I think we all need to do. I think we have a responsibility to the gals in our life to clean up shop, to take care of ourselves, and to, uh, you know, be as presentable as possible. So I thought well, I would well, take... Also, so just before you start, also, yeah. proportionately, if you manscape, oh, yeah. it makes everything look a little bit grander. It does. It does. It makes everything look a little bit bigger. <laughs> and as men, you know, we need every advantage we can in that regard. Um, I happen to take the clippers from my hair that was I was cutting, and I was like, yeah, I've got to clean up my act down, down there. Let's go to town. It's a little bit like... Uh, uh, you remember Julia serving in the ABA and the NBA with a giant fro. You know, I had, I had a little bit of the fro downstairs, so I was like, yeah, I'm going to clean Mambush. up shop. You got Mambush going Clean on. it up, make it look, you know, loud, proud, and big. You know, that's that's where we go. So I was getting, uh, I was cleaning up, and I was like, oh, this is great. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing something not only for myself, but a service <laughs> to society and our community. I've, ser- I've served my country. I'm not right. serving the women of my country. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, I was getting a little too confident with the clippers and I was starting to go over my cerebral ballsies. And what happened was if you don't, you know, take full control of the clippers and let them get in, I let them get in to the actual ball sack and just literally ate up my sack 
It was blood. It was like a crime scene on CSI Miami, which Tekka was on for four years, by the way. Um, yeah, seamless segue. But, yeah, <laughs> blood, blood all over the place. I had to unplug because it it was literally it stopped the ra- the uh, the blade because it, it had sucked in the ball sack so much. Is that okay to say on the air? That's one hundred percent. That's not okay for me to hear, but it's okay to say. Yeah, I want you to feel comfortable. You are the host, after all. I want well, I've crossed my legs now because I feel uncomfortable. Yeah. So uh, anyway, it looked. I had to literally unplug from the the wall, the the uh, you know yeah, the plugs. Yeah, the means of that. I had to unplug it because it had sucked up so much that it was like a, a murder crime scene. It was really, really bad. But that's kind of the extent of where we go to make ourselves look good and to do what we do for for other people. That's kind of the humor that I like to do. I like to do stories, <laughs> um, real life situations, the story where of I'm you from. Mutilating yeah. your bollocks to bits. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I, I, I crushed it. I mean, I really did in a bad way, <laughs> oh, not in a good way. That's what we did. Like, uh, do you want to hear? Uh, my, I was expecting like you know a, a duck cross the road kind of joke there. Yeah. No. Do you wanna do you wanna hear my favorite joke? Yes. It's uh. You ever heard the Nazi knock knock joke? No. Okay. You you start it. Knock knock. Silence. We will ask the questions here. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that is my favorite joke. It's great, folks. It's that's, great, folks. Carlos, have you got anything else you want to add? Where where can we find you on social media? Where can we find you on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter? Where where are you? Where can we connect with you? Man, I love everybody. I love connecting with everybody. I'm the roaring under the roaring lion, Carlos Kramer, K R E M E R on Instagram, uh, Carlos Kramer, K R E M E R on Facebook. Man, and I love just dealing with you know the public, the fighters, elevating everybody, making everybody you know a part of what we're doing together because this is a worldwide effort of what we're doing. Yeah. We're changing the game of mixed martial arts. We're elevating it. We're taking it to a new level. And I tell you what, it's so incredible to be part of history. And I really, you and I were talking about this before. We really are part of history on what we're doing here. Um, We're rewriting how mixed martial arts is evolving around the world. And it's pretty spectacular. It really is. Um, And as far as country versus country for worldwide bragging rights, you can't get any better than that. Yeah. You really can't. So hit me up. I'd love to talk to you. I love you guys. You guys are amazing. Phil, thank you for having me on. An absolute pleasure, brother. Genuinely one of the best human beings I know. So Carlos Kramer, the roaring line of brave. Thank you for making your debut on Not Another Fight Cast with me, Phil Campbell, my broadcast partner, Andy Burroughs, who's not here right now, who is Andy so Burroughs, man, I want to say hi to you. you. You talk about an original OG. This is the man right here. When Phil Campbell is talking you up and giving you props, I know how special you are. And I just wanted to say hi. I'm sorry I missed you. Next time, you're on the show with me, and we're going to tear it up, my brother. 100%. Guys, you can find Not Another Fight Cast on iTunes. Please subscribe. Give a five-star review let us know what you think i am phil campbell you can find me on pc underscore commentary on instagram or just phil campbell on facebook so from me phil campbell the roaring lion of brave mr carlos kramer thank you very much for listening thank you guys